Welcome to Make It Happen. My name is Tom Dalton. Each episode will have an inspiring guest tell their story of overcoming obstacles, never settling, and making it happen. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and review. So grab a coffee. Hope you enjoy the pod. Let's go. Okay, so welcome to Making It Happen. Uh, my name is Tom Dalton, and I'm delighted to say we're on Big Five Zero, episode number 50 um, of Making It Happen. And I suppose it's such a special number. I, I wanted to have su- such a special guest and someone who means a lot to me. And I'm delighted to say I have my father on the podcast, Tom Dalton Sr. So today's episode is going to be slightly different, and I suppose just want to hear his story growing up childhood background um family life lessons and stuff like that so uh tom dalton senior my father my dad welcome to the podcast how you doing great to be here tom bit nervous but listen let's go for it anyway exactly let's go for it as i say it's just just a conversation and uh I'm very grateful first to, to be doing this. It's a bit selfish what I'm doing, but it's something I always wanted to do and have you as a guest in the podcast. So thank you, first of all. Um, if we if we jump back that, as I suppose I do with all of our guests, is beginnings, growing up, talk to us where you grew up and where you were born and stuff like that. Uh, born in uh, Sally Noggin, um, one of uh, nine kids, uh, father, uh, my, Mick Dalton, and my wife, my mum, Jenny. Uh, Jen, I would never call her Jenny. It was always mum and dad at that time. Uh, I was in the middle of five boys and four girls. Um, uh, what year? Nineteen fifty-three. Okay. Nineteen fifty-three. Living in a, 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 a not a county council house, a, a corporation house in Sally Noggin. Great growing up and all that. Like uh, we never wanted for him. We didn't have a lot, but didn't expect much really. At the t- growing up, really, I often wonder thinking back how did he look after so many mouths to feed and all the rest of it my dad uh, at that stage early on in his life he was a labourer on uh, building sites and, and used to cycle everywhere one famous story was with him was that uh, he had to cycle out to Clontarf and he always remember this story mum he was five minutes late after getting to Clontarf and the builder sacked him for being five minutes late after cycling from Sally Noggin to Clontarf and that kind of stuck with me going going through the years you know um uh, as i say five boys and mix i was stuck in the middle of them um and what was that like you know like like uh, like genie like it was a rush uh, five boys and four girls we were, uh struggled whoever went up to the beds early that night we had a double bed three up two down in the bed it was whoever got to the top of the bed was in first uh, bunk beds and all the rest of it as they say uh, but that was just the way of life, the way of life. life. We, didn't, we didn't know any better really and uh, it was fun you know like I suppose really not fun we just got on with life yeah. um, you'd end up like uh, if someone got a new pair of shoes and th- th- their old shoes were still going you you got them and, and we just taking this for granted it wasn't you weren't saying hang on why is he getting this and why they didn't have a lot and when you, were, when you were growing up do, like was it childhood outside and running the roads running the roads like we were let off like uh, as, as soon as we like as young kids were obviously brought up with the mother and all that uh, I remember one story I, I was such a lazy boy I was a, a fat guy when I was a kid uh, at one stage fellas on the road were calling me pudding salt and all the like, like that you know I got named but like didn't bother me but uh, 
my mum uh, lost a child carrying me because I wouldn't walk from Mugstown Farm up to hell and she lost the baby. So wow. that kind of hit me. You know, when you're, yeah. you don't understand these things when you're growing up. Yeah. But we were let out. As we got older than that, seven and eight year old, like we were let out, like you ran around with groups of kids you were on the road and you were out from early. You were let off and no one worried about you. And they might go looking for you at half four or five o'clock when you should be home. But you'd... We'd be down the beach in Sandy, Sandy Sam, uh, Sea Point, or up on the Kalini Beach and walking there. Wow. Just simpler times, like, as a lot of people would say. Simple yeah. times, and we just got on with it. Really, it wasn't. It was just no social thing. media, no distractions, no, just just no. life and neighbourly. Like you yeah, everybody. Yeah, sure. I remember my mum had a couple of kids at home, and it was the neighbours are always like you always knew there was something going on when the neighbours or two or three mothers from their neighbours were coming in and helping out. They were born in the house. A lot of the kids, uh, not going off to. Um, uh, Hollow Street as they deal in most of the places now but like the two or three of the neighbours I remember uh, two or three of them like were friendly with mum and they'd be taking care of her and all the rest of it and uh, maybe a, a midwife would come and deliver the child or something like that you know but it was I just part of the thing we, we wouldn't take much notice of it yeah. you just knew there was a, a new arrival there and you got on with it you know and from your parents very hard working by the sounds of things Talk to us just a little bit about that. Your, my grandparents, Jenny and Michael, what what did they do for a living, or how did it well, work? That mum was just a housewife. She just yeah. like she had hands full with the with the gang that was yeah. there. Dad was, a, as I say, a, a builder's labourer. Like, that's all I knew. I I knew later on in his life he got a, 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 from working with the cement and all that. Um, he got a, a kind of dermatitis on his hands and stuff like that. But it wasn't to, like it, he got over that as well. But that was just a, a consequence of him working with, with the labour. I actually seen the fruits of his uh, work, really, when I was uh, I bought a house and we put a driveway in the back of that and he hand-mixed the whole thing. And just to see him working, because he's like a machine himself. Like We use mixers nowadays, but yeah. he hand-mixed that. And it was terrific, you know, yeah. like the work he done because he, he had the expertise to do it, you know. Uh, but as I say... Later on in life, then he got um, away from that end of things, and he started doing security work for the bank. And it was the only time things started happening for him financially. For before that, actually, I tell you what, he used to work at. He worked as a. Uh, it was called a referencer for Cavendishes. There used to be a, a furniture shop in Grafton City called Cavendishes, and he. Based, I don't know how he got the job, but what he, we used to call him like uh, there was usually a detective on the. Uh, there was Kojak and all these guys. I can't think of another uh, one of the guys that were on the TV at the time. But basically, if someone looking for something on the uh, uh, credit, he'd go off and check them out of wherever Tom thought and say it was me. He'd come around to the neighbour and saying, how's he? Is he working? And does he pay his bills? And the local shops. A lot of the shops would have had uh, ticks, tick, like uh, ticks, what they were called, or on the slate. It's like... Mm. Shops, or if they were buying fo um, food around, like they might have it, and he'd, he'd call it the local shop, you know, me, does he pay his bills and is he sound enough uh, kind of risk? Yeah. And he'd give them the okay and then they'd go off and buy a suite of furniture or something like that. But we used to call him like Kojak and like detective work and that. And he went from there then to being um, later on in his life. One thing he used to do, I'm sorry, we're going to be deviating. No, it's great. Stories that come to my mind. 
One of the things he used to do, he used to have a Honda 50 and an old NSU Quigley uh, moped at the time. And every Friday evening, he'd come home with a bag of potatoes, onions, cabbages, and a load of stuff out of the market. And what he used to do when he worked in the reference job, he used to go to the market after, have a few points, and then several times he fell off the motorbike wow. in Black Rock. How he didn't k- kill himself, really, uh, bringing the stuff home, but because he four on a bag of potatoes on a Honda 50 wow. and stuff like that. Mad. That's th- that just things that just spring to mind. But he provided for as well. And he'd get, I suppose he'd do that and that'll last us the week, you know, the fruit and veg and all the rest of it for the meals. And you, growing up in the middle, I suppose, there, your brothers and older sisters, what did they kind of get into? Like, were they looking to get into trades or what What was... I don't know really what at was the happening time. at the time. I, I, I remember, like, as you say, we used to walk to school, like, uh, uh, went to Glasshill School. And, like, I remember Anne, he's the eldest sister, Mick, uh, most of my eldest brother, Michael. And he went off to, uh, when he'd finished school, he went to, I think he went to the Christian Brothers at one stage before he went away. And he went to join the RAF. He didn't have, he just said just standard, maybe uh, whatever, the, uh, I think it was probably the group cert he probably did at the time. Uh, and uh, he went off to join the RAF. And uh, he was with me, with Jass's uh, brother. Uh, he went to, before he went there, he went to he work with um, Jim Baker. And uh, Jim was, uh, they worked for Jennings and stuff, and like builders providers and do kind of building work and stuff like that. And then I think both of them, um, they had enough of that and he, Jim went to the army and he went to the RAF. Um, I don't know what the girls did really. Um, factory workers, I suppose, at the time. There wasn't, uh, the education side of the thing wasn't big on our list, I suppose. We were just going. Um, Let's get out, of, get out of school and get a job. Get yeah. a job, like, uh, yeah, maybe when they were four, after primary school education and stuff like Some went to work in, in um, factories. Claire, uh, Linda, my, sorry, my sister um, Maureen, she got to work in uh, um, uh, a dressmaking place in Dunleer, Brandella. I don't know whether they're gone now. I, I went there at the end of Dunleer, and they used to do uh, make skirts and stuff like that. Um, I went to tech. I did. Uh, went to. It's funny. A place used to play football was at the uh, uh, part-time technical uh, St Joseph Boys. I was in there for about a year and a half after doing primary school, and did. Um, it went to the f- Tech and Sally Noggin was open then and we were the first one of the first uh, classes in it and uh, I did the uh, we j- did junior cert and then the group cert uh, and after that I went uh, I got an interest and it's funny it, I'm going to be going back and forward here it's just stri- striking me uh, I got uh, it, I was involved and had an interest in cars thinking back I used to be walking, when we used to go for walks with the mother and fathers on the weekends, uh, my dad probably wouldn't have went mum there and the three or four of the kids. I'd be walking on the road and looking at these cars coming on the road and look, I'd be always saying, uh, my mum used to say, look at the face on the car coming, he's got a, like I'd see a Morris Minor come on or an Austin Cambridge and that's got a smiley face. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know whether that just stuck gave me you. the, it just stuck with me uh, with the interest in cars and going after that then I, um, Got involved. I had a friend of mine who would say his brothers were mechanics and they had an interest and they used to be new working on the cars in the garage, in, not in the garage, in the garden uh, at the, just up the road from us. And uh, 
I used to help them out with that and that probably gave me more of an inclination to be to go into the motor trades as a, as a mechanic and that's what kicked me off on that that down that road you can definitely see I would just mention that your parents influence because you're saying your mum and the cars and stuff like that and your dad and the hands that's what I was yeah, going to yeah. ask is like how did you become so good at your hands yeah. Um. so talk to tech what like what was that like you qualify how do you qualify as a mechanic well basically you used to have to do, do seven it was five it used to be seven years and when I started doing my survey time you did five years and two or three nights a week in, in uh, tech uh, and all physical you're learning all the hands tools on, and, and cars and motors yeah. yeah now in a lot of the one of the garages I went to if you went to one of the bigger garages uh, the learning curve was kind of slightly different so far as you used to be sweeping the floor making the tea for apprentices uh uh, for the first year and a year and a half, two years, but I was into a garage called Eames and went up on Foster Avenue, and they did all makes and models of cars uh, from minis to, to to Jaguars and stuff like that at the time. Mercs weren't that popular at the time. Um, that's another story down the road. But the um, what we did was we were doing like you had to do everything, but like you're working out in the snow, and like if you the garage was quite small, or maybe you only get two or three cars into it, and if it was raining and you had to do a job in a car, you're out on your back. If you had to get underneath the car, you were getting lashed on with rain and stuff like that. And we knew no better, really, as, as they say, compared to the bigger garages which had all the facilities. But like it was a good grounding, you were in straight from the start. Uh, okay, you did the tea and all that, but that was uh, just made up on the end of the bench at the uh, teapot and a bag of sugar or something, whatever, a tea. And you had your lunch at the end of the b- b- bench there. And you were straight in and doing, so working alongside a, a, a qualified mechanic and you were doing all the work straight in. And you loved it though, you just embraced no, it, just, it yeah, like, embraced yeah. embraced it, as you say, that was part of the thing. And we just did it, like it was tough. But I mean, it just, I, I enjoyed it like yeah. it, was, it was a challenge but we, we just got on with the work and, and did you do all of your apprentice and foster motors or no, what happened no, then I, I, after about two we were doing a lot of work like uh, we were doing gearbox overhauls even when we were two second year and the fellas wouldn't do that after the third or fourth year in one of the bigger garages you know Yeah. yeah. so we got the experience uh, I left there and I got a job down in a place called Monkstown Motors at the time but when I made the move there after a couple of weeks, it just didn't feel right for okay. me. I was expecting more. I thought yeah. I was going to make a, a, a progress, and I just thought, here, I'm after making a mistake here. Mm. And then I went from there. I left there, and I got a job in Maxwell Motors, which is where Frank Keynes in the BMW place is. In, in, but they did uh, Triumph, uh, uh, British Leyland cars, uh, like uh, Triumph, Heralds, uh, uh, there was uh, Rovers, and all sorts of full range of cars, mm. and it was a bit more organized. So I stayed there for the rest for the three years uh, I, I say it was only in the other garage for about a month and I, I bailed out of it and I went there and I, I stayed there which was fine until it qualified and then what happened then was um, things in the motor trade went qu- quite bad at that time and I, I was kind of let go Okay. and uh, what happened then I got a job doing just I had to keep going and get make a few bobs yeah. so I, I uh, uh, I'm Jumping forward again here now, it's funny. Like, but uh, my wife now, Jess, uh, at the time was working in Quintworth, and I got a job as a delivery driver for um, uh, Quintworth, just doing deliveries around the place to keep me going. And what happened after that? Uh, we, uh, I'm just trying to think. I have a bit of a uh, 
Where did the Where did the Dinos and Ferraris and stuff like that when you were telling us about oh, that? Where did the, that was that? That match? was in when I was in my in Maxwell Motors. They got a Ferrari dealership for a couple of the models of Ferrari Dino, the uh, two four six Ferrari, and uh, they sent me off to. Uh, I was picked as one of the guys to go over. I think they only sent one actually, and we sent over to um, England for London for uh, two weeks. And uh, I just was trained there for doing all the basic servicing on them for, uh, and so they, they wouldn't have sold, they probably sold about six or seven cars a year at yeah, that yeah, time yeah. really, which would have been, they would have been quite expensive at the time. But uh, it was a great head turn if you were out road testing the cars because they had a particular tone off with the V6 engine just driving down to Black Rock to be all yeah, turning heads and that, that was a bit of a, yeah. And come here, talk to me about, I suppose, first off, he, how you met my mother. So oh, Sally Noggin as well. Sally Noggin Tech, and we used to get, have uh, there was a, a hop, a, a dance every Tuesday night during the uh, uh, week uh, called the Hop in the Noggin, and it was run by a, a, one of the three-star nutcase fella called uh, F, uh, Matt Mulvaney, uh, and uh, if there was ever like there was odd, sometimes a bit of a disturbance, he would just pull the collar off, and he was a big guy, and he'd go down and sort all the stuff out if there was problems no there. Messing. But if, uh, at the time, I met Jess at the dance there, and further on from that, she was going to the tech as well, and uh, love of first sight, love of first sight is about childhood sweethearts, the whole story there, and the story I always remember. Well, you've told it a few times. Talk to us about I have it in my head, nineteen seventy four, moving to. Amsterdam, Holland, but talk to us about like at that time it wasn't the done thing. Like it was maybe was it frowned upon going away or you, it cost a lot to get there or how that came about. Uh, I don't know, but things were just getting a bit uh, slow in, in the in the garage at that stage, and um, I always had an inclination to uh, see what it was like abroad. And uh, Jas and I were going together for a long time, and uh, it was a decision. To, I said, "Look, I have to do it." It just in my head, I had to do it. So uh, we split up, if you like. Hmm. And as it happened, uh, my sister Anne was living. She living. She was living in London at the time, and uh, I, I decided I want to go to Holland uh, or to Germany. No, actually, it's Germany. I decided I want to go to, and um, I. Um, where did I go to? I fl- we split up, as they say, and in the meantime, but like it was expensive to travel. You were like, I have you had to sell a lot and your guitar and all, didn't oh, you? To get it, to take it, oh, whatever it was. We used to save a few bob. Yeah, and then yeah. I, I always remember when I was going, I brought too much stuff. I mean, a big backpack on me with the kitchen sink in it, really yeah. stupid, really. And I, I still remember getting onto the the ferry in Dunleary, getting the ferry to England, and then train down and then we g- I got a, the uh, ferry from ha- uh, Harwich to the Hook of Holland tra- into Amsterdam and uh, I met up a, a, a few guys which I didn't they were down the neighbours of ours fellas we used to play around a couple of years yeah. older than me and uh, there was four or five of them in uh, in Amsterdam so we stayed in a, a youth hostel um, there and uh, we stayed there for a couple of weeks but we went around to uh, they had these um uh, work agencies like Arbeitsamt they were called and you went in there and you could put your name down for a job and they might send you off to a couple of jobs like we were sent off uh, to a, a, a gherkin fa- uh, factory there we were st- stacking jar- uh, gherkin, jars of gherkins into containers but uh, 
We just didn't like the yeah, attitude of the guys trained us like uh, they're foreign. And did you plan? Did you want to do like mechanic over I there? I did. I want, to, want to try. So what I'd said I'd do, I, I left there and I got a train down to Stuttgart. And before I'd left there, I'd met a fella called Ben Baird and Sally Nog, and he told me, uh, to, he gave me a name for a guy down there. But when I went looking for this guy, he was on he was on national service with the army. Okay. And I was, I had done two or three words of German and it was yeah. terrible. And I, I tried to talk to his family and it was, I uh, I thought I'd be able to pick up a job down there. I only spent a couple of days down there and there was nothing happening, okay. you know. So I headed back to Amsterdam. And as it happened then, we kept going to a few uh, more uh, work agencies. And uh, I got a job then in um, uh, a Mercedes dealership in just outside uh, in Amstelfein, about uh, just a half an hour out on the bus. And I uh, got a job as a, a mechanic. Well, when you say as a mechanic, uh, because you didn't have the language or anything, like you had to go in there, even though I had qualified as a mechanic in Ireland, um, you had to go back to doing the basics, Greece. Okay. There was Greece greaser like uh, 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 it was a job on the cars in the old days there was grease nipples on them and you had to do all the basic yeah, lubrication and oil and filter changes which is basic basic yeah. stuff enough but uh, I, st- we st- I graduated off that and I was allowed to after a couple of months and I got a job a pal that came with me he wasn't a mechanic he was a, a sheet metal worker uh, over here and I got him a job when I graduated and he came on doing the grease and work I just uh, gave him the ropes I showed him the ropes on that and we worked there and it was quite a good bit fun place to work and taken in under uh, their wing there Come on, came over to you and then actually uh, it, that was uh, yeah that was I was there that was it I think I left in probably September this was three months later in, in December I come over to uh, London and uh, Jess she came back to Amsterdam with me and we got a flat uh, underneath a pub in, um, in Amsterdam just along one of the canals and uh, we, we this is flares and flare off uh, long hair long and hair when I had hair down. at the time 70s uh, in Amsterdam 70s a mad mad place and uh, it was good but it's funny they, they had a thing over there we didn't have much furniture or anything like that and what we did was they had a flea market there uh, we, we I bought a, a cheap car I have a, a 12 volt beetle in, in the garage it was, I forget what I paid for it even at the time and at the weekend we used to go out to flea market and you could buy anything you wanted there at the right price and haggle there and uh, every, they had a, a thing as well and the guys uh, they used to have a, a collection they had these big skips on the road they wouldn't throw anything out if it was anyway decent it was always put in skips or stacked outside the house if they didn't want it and we got chairs and I remember a big roll of carpet about 15 it was about 12 or 15 foot long by 6 or 8 foot wide which we brought home, it was a small hole in it, and we had it on the floor of the, uh, the flat at the time. And she just used to make dinner for the guys there. It was four or five and coming on the weekends for a, a big dinner and that. You know, it's, it's great fun and yeah. free time, and we had great crack. And, yeah. uh, and how, long, how long were you in Holland for? Like, was it a year? We only a year at, okay. in, at the end of that then, and we decided to come home and... Uh, yeah, you often say. I, I I still remember walking up from the ferry point in the uh, Dunleary and uh, looking at the uh, how untidy it was compared to where we've been, been living in Amsterdam. You know, and uh, I said we won't be staying here too long. And I had intended to come back two weeks later, and it just one thing led to another, and we just stayed on, and we're here since then. Really, we didn't make the trip back. 
And then what did you, when you came back, was it get a job? Was get it get job, married then? Yeah. Uh, what are we doing, Dad? I got a job. Where did I'm just trying to think now. I have to think of where. I went so back. Oh, actually, at that time, I got back into Maxwell Motors uh, after being away. But a couple of years later, things got really bad again. And uh, where did I go? That, that was the late 70s, early 80s then, yeah, was yeah, it? Like, yeah. Yeah. <gasps> yeah, things were bad in the motor trade then, really. I'm just trying to think where I went to after that now. I have a bit of a blank there. You didn't go into MDL, Mercedes? Oh, yeah, I went back. I, I got a job, yeah. There was a, a like, a, 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 things have got that bad now. It's coming back to me now that the likes of Balser's Motors used to have 40 or 20 or 30 mechanics in the place. A big operation in mm. Ballsbridge, still in the same location, but it's only a sales operation there now. And they had let a lot of their staff go. They closed the garage down and... Uh, just there was no car sales. There was people Car sales, yeah, were gone it, it, out the window, like a really, really poor uh, turnover of uh, uh, new cars and that. And what they'd been doing, to, and they were... It's, things were starting to turn around slightly and they were what they wanted to do, they were opening up the service department there again and uh, what I was brought in as a mechanic for getting second-hand cars ready for resale and stuff like that. So um, I, uh, I worked there and... Uh, I was there for about two years, a year and a half, two years, and uh, as it happened, uh, a slot came up in um, a lot of the time where there was a lot of uh, factories opening up in Ireland as well, and I got a job as a, um, uh, well, my wages at that time were probably coming out with about £32 a week, which was, you know, and I got a job working in Beckton Dickens, which, which was, a um, they did a, uh, manufactured um, syringes pharmaceuticals they're doing for syringes I think they've gone to more needles and stuff like that now and like the wages like I, I could uh, I earned I used to get the offer I got at the time was double my wages and then there was a shift allowance of 33% on top of that when you work four shift when you start working four shift and uh, I went there obviously for the money at the time and uh so and as it happened, Jas got a job in there as well as like uh, just a, a, a packer on on some of the machines. There, there lots of ladies working there. But the mechanic, it was easy work for us because it was a lot more simpler. It wasn't as detailed as what you'd be doing on the cars. But you always uh, kind of wanted to get back to the cars, did you? Probably it was in the you often wondered then when you were in that it was a, a job where you, you weren't very busy. You got busy at times when there was a breakdown. You had to uh, uh, get going and, and get it back up and running. But when you're working through the night, to be only uh, the machines to be working through the night, to be very um, a few staff like running uh, feeding off the machines. But when the machines broke down, it, it got to such a stage where you'd be saying, looking at the clock, if it broke down late in the night, you'd be just saying, "I'll knock this off because the day shift will be coming in, leave it for them to fix." And just if you had five machines going, you'd you'd work on four, just keep them up and running, and let the guys coming in the following day, and you're in the following night then. Uh, you'd be back to full uh, full run and the full line then going um, following that then I got a call one day from one of the time days I had a problem in Ballsbridge Motors a fellow called Frank Clavin a great colleague of mine as it happened follow, and following this uh, he helped me out on a problem he was full a great experience and he gave me a call one day to see what would be interesting in working for Mercedes uh, as a, a technical rep and I jumped at the, t at the uh, situation really when I t thought of it uh, because I'd be getting back to working on the cars and out of the factory environment. Mm. And I started working for them in 1978. And uh, I was there till um, 2010 actually when I was made redundant. But for those years there, we used to be traveling to Germany uh, um, 
for training courses every year, updates on all the models. Mm. And uh, I was a troubleshooter visiting garages or going out there to problem customers to try and sort them out, which is more fulfilling. Mm. And uh, when you sorted a guy out, uh, it was great. You know, like he was happy, we were happy. And you get guys that be put a lot of money into cars and just maybe were mishandled by the garage. And you had to just kind of read the situation, see did he have a problem and sort it out from if he did. And if not, just kind of placate him in some sort of way to just uh, make him uh, be satisfied with the car as it was, you know. And if we flip back to you and mum getting hitched, you bought a house. Where was the first house you bought? Um, you got married first, yeah? Got married first. Uh, what age were you? No, we didn't get married first. What happened was we... Um, where, what age were we? Got? It was 23. It was, I'm trying to think back of the years. So 1977, we got married. And um, we um, had been saving. And uh, we... Um, my dad had a friend who in the auctioneering business in uh, Rathfarnham. And we told him we were looking for a house. He made a phone call one day. And... A house just had come up um, in Tala with a, one of his, his fellas, uh, uh, another estate agent in Tala. And uh, it was ironic. And I said, where is the house? And we said we could go out and see it in the afternoon. So we arrived at this lady's house and say, uh, with Tom Jacinta, we believe your house is up for sale. She says, I only made a call at 12 o'clock. This <laughs> is 2 o'clock. Wow. She says, I can't believe you're here. So we had a look at the house. In Four Pine Lawn was the house in Tala, and uh, we uh, we then had a look around the house. It looked terrific, and at the time it was uh, twelve and a half thousand pounds, right, which was a lot of money mm. at the time, anyway. And uh, she was uh, we did went back to the to the estate agent. We put a deposit. We'd been saved, and we put a deposit on it, and. Uh, she was just so bad that uh, she was going to have to pay the auctioneer's fees for just a two-hour situation when it was turned around. So, but look, things like that happen. So we actually bought the house and uh, we got the loan approved and all the rest of it. And uh, we bought the house and we lived there for two and a half, three years. And uh, you had Linda there, didn't you? What? My sister. Linda, yeah, she was born in '79. She was bought, born. Um, yeah, and uh, she was she was born there. I'm just trying to think. Um, I remember uh, the Pope visit came was on that year, and shortly after she was born, uh, I went into the to, to the. Uh, he visited uh, Phoenix Park. Phoenix I think Park the whole of Ireland went out. Yeah, that day, it was a great day, really, as it happened, you know. But um, shortly after that, then um, I'd be out visiting uh, garages out in uh, Dean's Grange area, and we had there was a which is close Grange to Motors. Sally Noggin, yeah, Black Rock, Black Glass. I always wanted to kind of get closer to home. And as it happened, uh, there was a house, a uh, garage. Sorry, the company I worked for bought a uh, garage behind. They were going to extend the garage. And they bought some houses behind it. Uh, uh, quite, uh, there, uh, house needing a lot of attention. And um, we sold the house in Tala and we bought one out there, but it needed massive, it, work. massive work at the time. But look, it was all this decoration stuff and all that. It wasn't like, it wasn't, uh, 
uh, major affairs. Aesthetics. Aesthetics, yeah. But like, uh, so we moved there in uh, 1980 and we're still there till today. Still and that's why you got married in Fox Rock Church then, is it? Or would it be the connection? No, was that? Where did we get married? No, we got married in Sally, Sally Noggin Church. Church. Sorry. Yeah, that's what we, we, were, we had got married. When did we get married? I just said we were living. Yeah, we were living. We got married in uh, 1977. And... Uh, we lived in Tala for well, it was uh, till for three years, and we moved out to the other one. But we had to live in Jass's house for a, a while till we did get some of the basic work done to before we could move into it. But that's it's still ongoing, you know, as they often yeah. say, you know. But yeah. um, if we if we if we fast forward to my some of my fondest memories and of growing up and in because uh, I obviously grew up in the house in Dean's Grange, um. It's just like I remember, like when I was uh, obviously have two older sisters, Linda and Clara, and I'm the youngest and the only boy. But I just remember, like on a Friday, if Dad was coming home from Mercedes, and I maybe you'd bring home a toy car and stuff like that. Mm. Such fond memories. But talk to us about like I, I, when I grew up. I remember seeing you work on cars at home. There was a there was a passion for cars there, whether it was your own car or Mum's car, or it was working on a client's car. There was gearboxes in the kitchen, clutches, X, Y, and Z. There was rain outside, but you'd still get it done. Just talk to us. Like you loved working on cars, didn't you? Yeah, outside I, of work. Outside of work, yeah, we did. Yeah, uh, they, and it was a it was a nixer. It was, it was a, a it was a little learner. Absolutely, too. yeah, because the wages wouldn't have been as good as they are nowadays. Obviously, yeah. and uh, like uh, the interest rates were seventeen and a half percent for your which for your mortgage at the time. And uh, I think people still kind of cry about what the rates are here, but it was fairly heavy in those times, uh, like uh, very high rates. And uh, if you got a, a nixer to do, if you got a job, someone wanted a job done, you're taking on. Now, I used to be working out in the, a, an open, uh, just a driveway, really, in the rain. And uh, it's a different story now. I have a garage and all the rest of it, and all the, uh, need, the tools I need, really, to do any sort of jobs. But... Uh, Look, it was things you had to do at the but time, and exactly, and I, even the thing, like I'm a, very much aware of, and it's it's a great, I suppose, aspect you've you've given me in life is you were very conscious, uh, you and Mum, of like getting us into Everton, whether it was Linda, Clara, or myself. It yeah. was like whether it was doing an activity after school or drama or uh, going swimming. Where did that come? You always just wanted the best for well, us, I mean, like yeah, you know. We didn't probably have the opportunity yeah. to do that. Like, okay, we swimming, I suppose. We did a bit of swimming, like, and uh, we wanted you. So we always got you into the swimming. You liked the football, and then there was karate for yourself. Clara, like, she 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 had a flair for singing, and uh, we followed down that road for her, and she she done all right. And that, like, but that's uh, for me. It's like. Yeah it's the biggest you can learn so much in school but mm. it's those activities and yeah. doing the extracurricular stuff or like saving a few quid to bring us to Disneyland or the States uh, over the years it, it meant so much absolutely and yeah yeah. I never regret those so we still joke about some of the, 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 the fun we had on them really and we still refer back to them so long ago but uh, uh, what actually happened was it, what triggered the trips to the States and all was um we got a trip after 14 years. I, mean, I, worked, I was working for Mercedes at the time and they brought us on a, um, a dealer trip to um, Orlando for a week and we were in the... Um, where did we go to? The, uh, the oh, Keys, was it? The, no, Florida the, Keys? No, no, it wasn't the Keys. It'll come back to me anyway. The Bahamas. Bahamas, yeah, for a week as well. And we were there just to set up the... Uh, like a lot of these guys that were main dealers and stuff like that, they'd be able to have holidays like this 
two or three, or three times, times a year. Yeah. Were, it was nothing to them, but a lot of the ordinary Joes like ourselves on the team, back up, we had uh, set up things for them and all that. But it was great, it was great fun. But like uh, as part of it, we were free during the day and we had functions to do at night. And I said, geez, we're going to come back here with the kids because it was so such a, a great trip, you know. So uh, the old um, uh, credit union at the time was uh, invoked then and uh, we had some really great trips and never regret one day because I think you got as much out of it as we did really and more. Uh, and uh, we we went back several times to the, to the States and uh, it, it was great, great yeah. fun. And it was a trip like, uh, I, when I think back to my parents, they only started having holidays uh, late in life and going to Spain which they never they did like uh, if we went to England for a holiday that would have been it really you know to see but I, I think it's so for me that's so important is generation you can learn from your mum and dad mm. and you take and it's great to hear because there's stuff I'm hearing today which I didn't know about your dad and mixing the cement and stuff like yeah. that being so good in his hands and I think that relates to you and like I don't know much about cars but I love using my hands whether yeah. it's doing stuff around the home and stuff like that and that sticks to you which is amazing it, it, so talk to us um Talk to me about mum worked in Ballsridge Motors for a point of time and then stopped that. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. She had uh, got a job. She'd been working in um, where would she work? Oh, she worked in being there, and then she went. Uh, there was a uh, if uh, I had heard that there was a, a, a position open there for doing. She used to do uh, bookkeeping and stuff like that when she was in Queensworth as well, and uh, she decided to to go into Ballsbridge and she was helping out there, and she ended up delivering cars and. Nothing was too big a job, sure. I often joke about the delivering vans to out to Fairview, and she'd never driven a van before. The guys would just tell her, you have to go out to this shop with that, or if it was a Mercedes, she'd be de- delivering that out as well, and she'd take it on board, whatever it was. And uh, she uh, she done well there. She she enjoyed it, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, And so I, I, is there anything that, that stands out to you, like any sayings your mum or dad, like advice-wise, or... The, like lessons you took from them growing up or was it a different time where it's like nearly go out and do it on your own well I suppose you, you had to choi- no choice in those days. I think it was different times like uh, mm. you just get out and do it like uh, he, he didn't know from it. my mum used to always say if she saw the shovel on the bike when he was coming in the gate on Friday he's after the job was finished there and he had to go looking elsewhere for a job and uh as they say, he just... And those he was, are, like, challenging, like, tough, yeah, like, times, you know, I don't know how they would do it. When you think of, like, we never went uh, hungry or anything yeah. like that. It was not like that. I don't know how they actually did it, you know, on such a, a small wage. Uh, it's a funny thing. Uh, one thing that sticks in my mind when I think of my father coming home on Friday evening or whatever, he'd, uh, whatever wages he had, like, he'd be just... He'd go out and turn his back and he just count out whatever he's given and he gave her her wages for the week and she had to just manage on that. Mm. Now he wasn't that bad. He he he'd go to the pub the odd night, but um, he I know he used to back horses at the time as well. But he'd put back twenty five horses for fifteen shillings as it was at all so doubles and trebles. So I never got into the betting and the things at all, but he'd. It was it was just an, a, a a kind of a, a, a hobby for him doing that. He, but he'd never had big winnings or anything like that. But he always looked, took care of us, like food wise and all that, and provided for us. Both of them did, you know. Yeah. 
Um, and what did what did your other just to, to, if we go back for touch your other siblings? What did your brothers and sisters get into um, career wise and fashion wise? One came up and a brother Johnny. He was a postman. Uh, Linda, uh, sorry, uh, Maureen. She was she got working in in B and D as well as a, and she was only retired there after a long time. And she worked there for twenty odd years, I'd say, and she only retired there maybe two or three years ago. Um, John, my brother, went in there after that as well. He was just, he was just looking after the tool store there. He's still working there. He's coming up for retirement as well. Um, where did Pauline? What did Pauline do? I forget what Pauline did. That's slipping my mind there. That's what she did. Uh, Bernard was he went into the building game and uh, he just worked with us too, labouring and stuff like that. He had various jobs. Um, so a lot of them are using their doing hands. their hands yeah, as yeah. well, yeah. And uh, just trying to do what his there. Mick, as they say, he as they say, when he came back, he got a factory job. When he came back out of the RAF, as a um, just a general factory worker as well, uh, quite close uh, next door factory in, in B and D on Pottery Road. Um, they used to do aluminium scaffolding. And uh, who else was there? Let's see. I can't think of what Mary did. Mary, um, she's uh, she. Got married and she was uh, she gave emigrated to Australia in two thousand and eight. Um, I forget what she was working at, but she's um, oh she was working in some um, nursery home nursing home she, she as a uh, like looking after uh, patients there like as a um, a general operative there and she's doing the similar type of work in uh, Australia and yeah, herself. Yeah. No, it's just it's just great yeah. just to get the backgrounds and and what they went into and. Talk to me about it's one thing that stands out to me because of what I'm doing and the industry I'm doing. And I suppose some of the people I'm working with and stuff like that. Personal development and Dale Carnegie is something that stands out to me as a kid. Yeah. You hand me one of like how to win friends and influence people, a great book that yeah. I recommend anyone to go and read and and learn and reread. How did that? How did Dale Carnegie come into? So I suppose development was that true work or that was what? true work yeah we had uh, three or four of us uh, got an opportunity to, to do this Dale Carnegie course it was one night a week for which uh, is and by the way if anyone's listening today still to do Dale Carnegie course today is a very brilliant investment yeah. it's amazing courses three books there was How to Win Friends and Influence People uh, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living and Quick and Easy Way to Effective Speaking were the three books of the and course. they're still they're best sellers so they're today they're, mul- yeah, they're still multi-millions and uh, there was about 40 of us on the course like uh, in total and it was one night a week in the Shelburne Hotel we used to go to but uh, the fun thing about it was whatever um, because it was three or four of us and we all worked in the same office we got great uh, uh, takes on all the operations and we'd had fun. You get different, um, uh, what's the word, tasks for each week. You had to do a 20 minute talk on uh, something that taught you a lesson. And you're only given, you're, you're given, uh, I think it was a minute and a half or two minutes to talk that it through as part of, and so everyone had to do it. Great fun. Uh, as I say, we used to be t- mimicking some of the characters in the class during the week because different guys had different, uh, not impediments, but just different characteristics mm. that we used to n- make fun of. But it, it actually helped us develop it much better as a team in work. But uh, I learned so much. To, uh, memory, there was memory techniques. Was, uh, it, it was one of the things that sticks with me a lot. Um, that ran for, I think it was 20 weeks, something like that at the time. 
and uh, it was great, great. But it obviously stuck with you because yeah. to this day, it's something you, you always reference. Yeah, for me, it's always, uh, when I think of you, I think of Dale Carnegie and yeah, I think how it's helped me, you know. Well, I've always distributed time for that because it was a great, um, and we still uh, laugh about situations and that and use the techniques that learn. And if I want to remember something, think, yeah, like uh, the person's name is that person sweetest sound in any language is one of the things he often says and if I meet someone they often say repeat their name back to them and no one will ever complain about being called their own name and yeah. they'll, they'll appreciate you being called uh, calling their, their name too yeah. say, mentioning their name during conversations that was great for us and as I say it helped me to work certainly meeting problem customers and I used to put so many guys coming to want to tear your head off because he has a problem with his mark and he used to start talking to him about him and his business and yeah. they'd be taking you at the end yeah. at the end of the day if we can fix his car I helped him out thanks very much Tom and he'd be so much calmer just just by treating him uh, the right uh, way around you know yeah yeah that's brilliant cool. I'm gonna I'm conscious of time, time obviously, oh, sorry, but no but no but listen like, it's flowing like, yeah, it has, yeah it has yeah it has there's nothing for you to worry about yeah. and it's probably where I get my gift to the gab or talking to people and networking is, is off yourself but um, if I, if I this is I'm jumping back now I got an in, I was doing an interview for Dyslexia Ireland there last week and one of the questions I got asked is how did your parents no, and I, I was actually trying to think back. Did you, for me, when I was I just not keeping up with other kids in school, or when did I notice you? Because I'm so grateful because you are the ones that notice. At the time, the school system wasn't set up yeah. to support kids and notice that maybe kids learn in a different way. So just when did you start to realise? I suppose for me? what picked it up really. The girls are always chatterboxes, and they they brought each other along. But if you were ever in the car, you weren't involving in any of the conversations and like where the cars would be saying, uh, jumping in and butting in and the, the likes. And I, it just stuck at me one day. We we're driving along and you're, you're sitting there, obviously with no seatbelt, crazy at the time. And you'd be hanging out at the two uh, headrest arms and just going along and saying nothing. And uh, we started to talk to the teachers on that and uh, they just noticed you were, weren't keeping paying attention. So we decided... Um, uh, like use the side of his parents to get me assessed. To get assessed, to get assessed, no. and uh, uh, someone suggested to dyslexia. We went to the dyslexia society of Ireland, and you got your assessed. You had to wait at the time to to get an assessment, and uh, it was such a relief, insofar as that. So basically, what they told us at the time, one of the things to do was to engage you in more subjects. To saying instead of just waiting for you to, to uh, get involved in a conversation, we're travelling around or anything like, just bring you into the conversation. And at that time, they put us in touch with um, uh, a mentor you had. Mm. Um, oh gosh, what's her name? Slipping me name. Lorna. Lorna. And she used to look after you. She used to see her once a week or whatever. Mm. And she brought you on. And look, the rest is history. Yeah, it's, really it's, you it's mad when you look when you and, uh, Just the early assessment is one. Of, and we were so lucky. I think you were only four or five. I mean, maybe five or six, I think. And it's so important with dyslexia because I've met guys that uh, uh, telling me they're dyslexic and they have their own businesses and working as mechanics and so on. And the way they used to, to avoid confronting the whole operation and step back and hide behind situations, they work away around getting away with not having to write their names or yeah. the technical side of the and say, you signed that first there or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I always think back to you, you know, and how well you've done really and I'm proud. That yeah, it's amazing it's how it, it's come full circle. Full, yeah. Um, like, I don't think I'm shy of a word nowadays yeah, yeah. and 
like one of the reasons I do this podcast is I love conversation and sure. talking to people. Yeah. But um, we're going to finish off now, last couple of questions, and so appreciative, and I'm so happy to get the opportunity to this. You have no idea. Time is flowing. I can't believe it. That's yeah, how, how quick it goes. Um, ju- just one thing on that. Do you, do you know what's funny when you, and I'll just explain this mm. story. Maybe some will get value of this. I'll ne- f- when I realised I was dyslexic was, I'll never forget, being in primary school and the teacher gives a task on an A4 sheet of paper and she's like, we're going to draw a heart. So will you put heart in the center of the page? And there's around the circle table with other pupils, other, other pupils and uh, I wrote H-E-R-T. Mm. And I looked around and I was like, H-E-A-R-T, H-E-R-T. I was like, oh. And I felt a bit ashamed. I was like, sure. oh. And I think I did it in pen and I couldn't rub it out. Mm. And it just, it was that, you know, when you have that the light bulb moment. Oh, like, yeah. Why didn't I do that right? But that's just one thing that always stood out to me. I was just explaining it in that um, interview uh, for the Sexy Ireland there last week. But I don't know. Just That just came to me there. Right. Last couple of questions. Um, you've mentioned Dale Carnegie. Is there any other books or recommendations that has helped you in life or you really enjoyed or anything like that? Well, the one I really enjoyed was the Agassi book about the Open. And, and he his... Uh, struggle as a kid with his father and all that. And... Uh, him, his father was a big influence on him um, taking up the tennis and uh, that was one that I turned it on the wrench and on the radio one day and I, I, I thought it was quite interesting and I, I got a lot out of it you know because how he struggles and how well he's done uh, overcoming struggles as growing up as well you know yeah brilliant, so brilliant. brilliant. and I would I recommend to anyone listen to this I haven't read the Agassi book and it's on my to-do list but any of the Dale Carnegie books as well yeah. you can't go wrong they're sure. really good books of investment there um, last two here um, is there a quote or what's the best piece of advice you've kind of ever been given or well, like well I, I don't have a quote as such uh, I just think working hard and uh, I think generally if, you're, if you work hard and you're up front and you're honest with people it comes back to you it, yeah. it, sticks, it sticks with you and I can can't offer any more than that really yeah, yeah. Like, like well, I know there's lots of uh, listen ones, it, but that's one that's stuck in me that's that I've worked towards, if you like, and it it it's paid off in 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 ways, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's stick hard and uh, work hard and uh, you, yeah. No, no, absolutely. Again, it's you know? it's and uh, like um, I'm so like as I say, it's one thing I've learned to you, and I'm so grateful, as I say, to have you as my father and to be named after you. It's it's one thing, and I was listening to a good interview there recently, and sometimes like. We don't. One of the reasons why I wanted to do this, and it, it probably is a little bit selfish, and I couldn't care less. But like, one of the reasons was just to thank you for like just being amazing parents to me, mum and dad. But like, sometimes we don't get the chance to give someone the flowers to thank them. Well, you know, I know and, and we don't say around, it, around and it, it yeah. is, and it's just. I'll be saying we could have, should have, could have, should have. And like, yeah, yeah. this is like I can't wait. Like when my daughter's old enough to show her this, and yeah. she gets to hear your story and hear about growing up, mm. and like, because there's right. so many lessons there. So I am forever grateful. I'm getting choked now. But I'm Last one: if you could have a meal with five people, it's a question I, 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 I ask all my guests. If you could have a a meal with any five people dead or alive, who would it be? Well, two. I can't think. I can think of two anyway. Um, growing up in the seventies and that, the Eagles are a big influence on on. So there's five. Is it the five? Well, you mentioned those. Yeah. Are, uh, Don Henley, uh, who was one of the leaders, saying he's still with them. Anyway, a couple of them have passed on since here. And Jimmy Buffett, I liked his music as well. They're just two people that come to mind straight off because uh, 
I got a lot of uh, fun out of music and yeah. uh, really that they're the two guys I would like to meet. They're still around anyway. And brilliant, brilliant, just on music. And it's one thing we have, and it's we could be here all day doing this, but your passion for music being brought up with the Eagles and Steely Dan and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. A lot of people wouldn't know my sister, your daughter Linda, is named after Linda Ronstadt. Linda Ronstadt yeah, did yeah, a lot of stuff with yeah. the Eagles back in the day. True. Well, listen. Just thanks so much, Dad. It's been amazing. Delighted to get the opportunity to interview you and hear your story. And it flew by. And uh, just thankful for this today. So thank you so much for jumping on. Great. Looks, I enjoyed it. Actually, was I was a bit nervous at start, but look, it just it was nothing really when I think it was being silly. Yeah, absolutely. And I just enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. No worries. Thanks so much. Cheers.